We're jumping into our next message in our series called uh, Guide Rails, and um, I have one for you today that I think is extremely practical. It's from a passage that has changed how I do everything, and so I'm hoping that this has some, some real-life application and help for you, no matter what role you find yourself in these days. And so let me pray, and then we'll just jump right into it. God, we thank you so much um, for your faithfulness to us. Man, you're faithful even when we are not faithful to you. And that is just a beautiful, beautiful thing. I pray that as we jump into your word today that you'd help us to see ourselves a little bit clearer, um, that you would help us to see you a little bit clearer, that we would um, ultimately be more like Jesus. We ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. It's good to be with you here today. Um, happy to be sharing a little bit of God's word. And uh, we went a little long in the 9.30, so I'm going to crush it for this group right here so that we can... Um, we, we're in our guide post, our guide rail series, and, and it's a combination of two things that are really important for our church, I think really important for your life. You're going to hear me say this a lot until the end of the series, but guide rails are like the combination of guide posts, things that point you in the right direction, tell you how far to go, which way, and guard rails are something that keep you from running off the road and ending up in a ditch. Both those things are extremely important for life and for church life. No matter what job you have, no matter what role you have in your life, no matter what you find yourself doing, you need to have guide rails, things that show you the direction you should go, how to keep you on the road so that you can experience all that God has for you. And you need some, some protection to keep yourself from running off the road into a ditch. I have lots of experience with that. Let me tell you. Guide rails are very helpful in your personal life, and we have been running through these as a church. We did five of them before our Christmas series. We're, doing, we're in the second half of those five now, and these are things that are important because they set the direction of our church. If you're going to come here, you need to know these things about us, and um, if you're, they're also really good for your personal life, and let me just read to you what the ones we covered are so far, because I don't want to miss any or mess these up, and um, my long-term memory is a lot worse than my short-term memory. Here, the, here they are. We started with number one, we keep Jesus center. When you're talking about priorities, it's easy to get your priorities messed up, isn't it? Like, I'm constantly dropping the ball, juggling my priorities, letting one lapse, and Usually I know my priorities are messed up because of pain in my life. It's an unfortunate reality. What we're talking about in that first message in this series is that if you forget all the priorities but just give Jesus the center of you, which is the most important part of you. How's that part doing, by the way? If you get the center right, you get everything else right. Keep Jesus central. Sometimes in churches, other things can become central. The brand can become central. What you're doing can become central. The pastor can become central to it all. And it's all just a disaster waiting to happen unless you keep Jesus center. 
You want to get things right at home? You want to get things right at your workplace? It's not about balancing and keeping your priorities. It's about making Jesus the center of it all. Week number two, we talked about this. We said we keep people second. Jesus centered, people second. Not first because they're below Jesus, but above everything else. It's sad when we start valuing people below things, programs, stuff we want to do and accomplish. People are second. You matter to us. We care about you. We're going to put great value on you over top of what we do as a church. We value you more than our brand. You are more important than any of the programs we have. I care a lot less about the image of Grace Free Church, whatever that means, than I care about you and your friends and your family. People second. Jesus said if you get those two things right, you end up getting everything else right. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, Jesus said, All of the law and prophets hang on those two things. Get those two right. And in the right time, eventually, you'll get everything else right. You want to be a better dad? Get those two things right, and you'll end up being a better dad. You want to be a better boss? Get those two things right. You'll be a better boss. Be a better friend? Get those two things right. Be a better mom? Get those two things right, and you'll get everything else right. Week number three, kind of like a practical implication of that, is this. We kick in instead of eat up. And we compared the contrasting culture of the kingdom of God and the world we live in. The world we live in is wrapped up in a culture of consumerism. It's about what you get out of it. It's easy for that to spill into church too, right? Like, well, I don't like that preacher because I don't get anything out of it. (laughs) I don't like that church because I don't get anything out of it. It's easy to fall into that trap. It's easy to even value people like that. Like, this person's really important because of what they do for me, how they make me feel. We value things based on what we consume. The, The culture of Jesus is different. It's about contributing. It's about what you give to the world. It's about being salt and light. It's about loving others. It's about serving others. It's not all about you. It's important for us as a church and for you if you're going to attend here to know it's not all about you. We are for you, but we are for your friends and family before we are for you. We kick in and we ask this question, what if as a church everybody that attended here in Tremont, our location in Tremont, 9.30 or 11. We know that 11 will be later than 9.30 to the party because that's just how we roll here, right? (laughs) But what if you left 51% in every room you were a part of? What What if you left more than you took in all of your friendships? Just a little, that 1%, that 2% would change your world. We are Jesus followers, and so we contribute to the world and the relationships around us more than we take from them. 
Week number four, we said this, we get big and we also stay small. That's a culture of growth that we embrace as a church. Our job is to reach more and more people. We are a growing church with two services here, one service in Tremont, all kinds of fun and exciting things going on. I know the parking is a pain in the rear end, especially during that 930 hour. But we are a growing church because God has called us to reach more people in this county. But we also realize that your personal growth does not happen best in this context with some guy up here wearing pretty slick sneakers just talking to you for the whole time. That's not how growth happens. It doesn't matter how slick the sneakers are. The best context for growth is not a preacher preaching at you. The best context for growth is personal relationship. That's how we grow. If you look at your life, the growth you've experienced, the most meaningful moments, the best inspiration you have ever had received is probably from someone you had a relationship with that taught you, that invested in you, that mentored you, that gave something to you. How do we do that as a church? We provide small groups, and so we spend a lot of time talking about small groups. The next one we said before we took a break for Christmas, we stay relevant and stay strong. That's all about engaging with the truth. God's truth is relevant for your life. And, it, and, I, and I get frustrated and angry when people grab microphones and make this seem like it's boring and out of touch and old tradition and meaningless religion. That's not what this is. This has truth for your everyday life. This has God's help to you as you walk through your relationships. This thing is loaded with all kinds of really important and meaningful things. And so this is not about what I have to say. Who cares about my opinions? This is about what God wants to say to you. And oftentimes people tell me, it was like you were just talking to me. No, it wasn't. It's not that. That's not what's happening here. It's God talking to all of us and hopefully cutting to my heart first. We stay relevant and strong. It's never going to be a place where we care about my opinions. This is always going to be a place where we care about what God has to say about it. And then last week we jumped into this one. We get that our kids are our now, not our future. They're our now. We talked about how what happens upstairs in this location and downstairs in our Tremont location, what we do for our kids matters way more than what I do for you. Those rooms are way more important than this room. And then this week is one that's, I think, really important and super practical. You know, not all these messages are practical. Some of them are like aspirational some of them are inspirational. Some of them like talk about big kind of ideas or, or different kinds of things. And, and then every once in a while, I think these messages just get like super practical. And today's is super practical. We're going to end up in a passage that has changed how I do everything. It's changed how I parent. It's changed how I try to be a husband. It's changed how I be a boss, how I help organizations. It's changed how I pastor. It's changed how I coach youth sports. It, it's literally changed like all of it. I had to learn it kind of the hard way and I had to have somebody kind of check me on it. But I'm excited to share this passage with you and this value, this guide rail with you because I think it's 
extremely important if you're going to make it in whatever role you find yourself struggling to make it in. Here's the value. You ready? I know you all got your pens like ready. You're locked in, loaded. My fabulous note takers of the 11 o'clock service. It says this, we do less better to do more later. We do less better to do more later. There's a problem with that word more, the word more, especially when you add it with the word later. There's a problem with more because more is often what we think is the solution to the problem that we're in, whatever you're dealing with. It's, it's more that we think will fix it. If I could just do more or get more, then my marriage will be fixed. If I could just do more or get more, then my business will be better. If I could just do more or get more, my kids will end up in a better place in life. If I can just do more or get more, then I will be able to feel satisfied and fulfilled in life. There, I understand why it's so easy. Have you ever thought like that? Like, I, I think like that sometimes. If I could just do more, that'll fix this situation. I just gotta do more. Just gotta figure it out, grind, pick myself up. By my, I know I'm exhausted, but if I could only do more, then this situation will get better. Then I'll be able to serve them better. Everything will get better. If I, or maybe I, if I just get more, I just get more. I, I get it, right? Like, it's, it's the world we are surrounded with. It drives us to think that if I have more money, who doesn't want that? I want that. If I, if I get more followers, if I have more influence, if I get more square footage, I, I don't have the space I need, then everything will work out, will be so much happier if I could just get more or do more. It's emphasized by the culture we're a part of, right? Like, get more power, get more prestige, get more wealth. That's what defines you. That's what defines your life. That's what equals happiness or doesn't equal happiness. But what if, have you ever asked that even though doing more seems like the answer, getting more makes it seem like everything will be okay? What if that drive for more is actually killing you? And your meaningful relationships. See, it's a, it's a trap. It's a trap to think the solution to your world is more. Because you know what there is always more of? There is always more, more. <laughs> you think you get enough, but guess what? There's still more to get. <laughs> you think you do enough? Guess what? There's still more to do. And this trap leaves this feeling like you are either not good enough or that you will never find the satisfaction that you seek. Because as soon as you get to the top of the ladder where you think you've made it, where you think you've gotten there, where you think you accomplished something, where you think you've fixed it, guess what? All of a sudden there's more to do and there's more to get. And the desire for more, the idea that more fixes it, is one that will always leave you unsatisfied. So I want to propose to you 
if you're struggling right now, if you're trying to keep up, that doing more and getting more is a terrible solution and not what you need. That the desire to do more and get more, to fix it, is not sustainable. You're limited, and more is unlimited. You will always face a lack of satisfaction if you think more is what you need. There's this passage in Exodus chapter 18. Man, this passage has rocked my world so many times. And I just want to read a little bit about it and maybe share a few things that have really impacted how I kind of live my life from this passage. It says this, it starts, I want to start reading in chapter 13, but just to give you a little backdrop, you got this guy named Moses who has been leading the nation of Israel, called to lead the nation of Israel out of captivity into God's promised land for them. They've left Egypt and the captivity, that the slavery that they have been a part of for so long. They've watched God do some absolutely miraculous things. They're on this long journey through the wilderness. Moses is charged with leading an entire nation, and things have gotten quite stressful along the way. And at some point, Moses had sent his wife and daughters away to go see his father-in-law, who was a Midian named Jethro. He was a very wealthy and successful man. He had lots of flocks, and he also had lots of prestige and influence because he was considered the priest of Midian and was somebody that they all looked up to and asked advice from. He was a guy who, for all intents and purposes, many of us would say, this dude has, this dude has made it, like this guy's accomplished. He's about to win the Father-in-the-Law FIL of the Year Award, and uh, as he returns to see Moses to check in on him and see what's going on and how he's doing, it says this in verse 13, the next day Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning to Till evening. Now, just starting there, I love you all. You are all important to me. I do not want you to stand around me from morning till evening. That's quite awkward. I don't love you that much. I don't want to spend that much time with you. There's not enough breath mints. Already you see a problem forming for Moses. It's just him trying to answer all the questions for all the people. It says in verse 14, when his father-in-law, Jethro, saw all that Moses was doing for the people, like he was doing good things for the people, his intentions were good, his, his motivations were good. He wasn't doing this for himself. He wasn't doing this because he felt like it gave him something. He was doing this because he cared about the people he was serving, and he felt like God had called him to lead them. He probably felt like he was enduring all this for God. He sees all that he's doing. He, he says this, and this is a good lesson for parents. Any parents, father-in-law, mother-in-law's in the room, you got any kids? That sometimes you're like, they're crazy, what are they doing? They're just train wrecking everything and you want to jump in and just fix it for them or shout at them or something, you want to do something, right? Like this, Jethro's got the approach right here. 
and uh, I, could, I could do a better job of this. Maybe you could do a better job of this too. When Jethro sees all this, he doesn't rush in with a rant. He doesn't lecture them. He doesn't even judge them. He just asks more questions. We would do far better in our relationships when we don't understand something, when somebody's going sideways, when we feel like we would do it different. Why don't they get it? I thought I raised them better. We would do much better to set aside our egos and just ask a few clarifying questions. Jethro goes, what is it that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, and listen to this answer, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me, and I decide between parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. You ever need somebody to say that to you? You and all these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. Like Moses, it's not just killing you, it's killing the people around you. You think you're meeting their needs, but they're unsatisfied too. Like if you don't get this right, the whole ship's going down. This isn't just affecting you, this is affecting your kids. It's affecting your marriage, it's affecting your workplace, it's affecting your business, it's affecting your employees, it's affecting your friendships. Like it's not about you, this is about everybody. Nobody is satisfied because this system is broken. He continues, the work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen to me and I will give you some advice and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way that they are to live and how they are to behave. But, this is an important part, select capable men from all the people. Men who fear God are trustworthy, who hate dishonest gain. And appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases, they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain. He'll be able to make it. Some of you are in the middle of the strain, and you're like, I can't stand it anymore. I don't know if I can make it. The pressure is too much. I can't keep up with all this stuff. I can't keep up with trying to do what I need to do for my family and do what I need to do at work. I can't keep up with all the expectations these people have on me. I don't think I can... Make it through the strain. Jethro's solution is like, listen, this doesn't make everything easy, but it does make it so that you can make it. And also, all these people will go home satisfied. Moses listened to his father-in-law, did everything he said. He chose capable men from all Israel and made them leaders of people, officials over thousands, hundreds, and fifties, and tens. They served as judges for the people at all times, the difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided themselves. You see, the FIL of the year, Jethro, could see what Moses couldn't see, and maybe you have some blind spots too. I, I, a lot of times I have blind spots. 
and I, I can't see them. I don't, I don't see them unless somebody helps me see them. Sometimes I don't see the blind spots in my life because I'm just too busy trying to keep up. Trying to keep up, trying to keep up, trying to keep up, and I never really stop to assess what's going on around me and, and what I'm doing. Sometimes I, I don't see them because I don't have an outside voice like Jethro to speak into my life. Do you have an outside voice? Somebody outside your circle? Somebody outside your home? A friend that isn't just going to tell you what you want to hear? But somebody who will speak truth and love to you and help point out some blind spots in your life? Like, this passage has impacted my life because one time a guy came up to me and said, Josh, man, what you're doing is not good. You think it's good, but it's not good for you. It's not good for your church. It's not good for your family. You need to do what Moses did after Jethro spoke into his you, you got to make some changes. Like, you need somebody outside of your circle that will tell you truth and love and help you see the blind spots of your life. And sometimes I get stuck in this trap of if I just do more or get more, it'll be better because I get a little bit of the savior complex. I wonder if Moses had that. You don't understand, man. God called me to lead these people to freedom. Like this is my job, this is my role, this is what he's called me to do. I have to fix it. I have to make it better. I have to take all this on. I have to persevere. I'm the one who's going to save these people. Wait a second. Your pastor is not your savior. Some political leader is not your savior. You are not your savior. Your husband and wife cannot be your savior. They weren't made for that. We can never fill that role for you. There's only one Savior. His name is Jesus. But we get this Savior complex. It blinds us to what's really going on. It's a problem that can happen in churches. It's a problem that can happen in our personal lives. And what I love about Jethro is Jethro saw the consequences coming before they got there and saved Moses from them. Most of the time, we don't get that benefit in life. We learn the consequences as we're living in the consequences of our decision. We have these moments where we say, oh man, everything is messed up. And by then, we're in the middle of it. Jethro says, here's the consequences. You're running thin, and it's hurting everybody you care about. And you are going to crash and burn if you keep up this pace. It could cost you your life. This has cost people their lives. I can't keep up. I must be a failure. Maybe the world would be better off without me. He saw the consequences coming, and man, there have been so many people that have burned out. So many pastors that have crashed and burned and failed epically. So many people you know that are shells of what they could have been because they fell for this trap where if they just do more or get more, they can fix it. He has this moment where he says, what are you doing? <laughs> I love that question. You need people in your life that are like, you nuts, man? Like, you need people in your life 
to have the courage to say that without fearing that you're going to get all petty and weird on them. That you're going to get all, don't get all passive aggressive on somebody that's trying to help by asking you a hard question. You don't got to post that crap on Instagram, right? Like, just be like, okay, maybe I'm not seeing something. That's the first thing you should say. Maybe that's the most loving thing anybody could ever say to you is like, yo, it's not working. What, what are you doing? That's Jethro's line here, and I love it so much. I'm just going to go around saying it to all of you. What are you doing right now? <laughs> no, I'm not. I love it because it gives Moses a moment to stop and evaluate. It's like a hinge moment. These are important moments in life. Stop. Are you in a good space? Is what you're doing really good for you? Good for the people around you? Have you fallen in for this? You need to stop this kind of like, just got to do more, just got to do more, even if it leads to people being disappointed in you. You got to stop this whole like, if I could just do more, if I could just do more, if I could just get more, if I could just get more, even if it fractures some relationships, even if it disappoints somebody, even if it means you got to change your careers, even if it means you got to reorient your priorities, even if it means you got to take some time off, even if it means you got to go see a counselor, you got to stop for a moment when you are stuck in this and have this moment where you take serious evaluation of how you are living your life and where your life is taking you and the people around you. Moses gets that because he had somebody who cared enough to say, stop this madness. You don't see it, but it's coming. Bad things are coming if you don't make a change. This is not good, he says. What not good spaces are you in? Doing too much for one person? Can't keep up? Can't catch up? Burdened and crushed by the unrealistic expectations of other people? Or the unrealistic expectations? You, you hear me on this, moms? The unrealistic expectations you place on yourself? I wish you would be free of that. It's killing you. It's hurting the people around you that you are sacrificing so much for. We need somebody to say, it's not good. And Jethro, he gives him a couple things, five of them. I want to rip these off real fast because we're running out of time and I want to be respectful to get you guys out of here when we said we would get you out of here. So here are five things that I think are huge helps that Jethro gives Moses so that he can make it. Number one, you got to narrow your role to what only you can do, what only you have been called to do, to what only you do best. It's time to stop doing everything. And just start doing what God's called you to do. You don't got to do everything for everybody. And that's a hard shift in our thinking to make, but it's one that we have to make. What has God called you to do? He's brought some other people into your circle to pick up some of the areas of your life that you are not made to do. He's like, yeah, you stay that point person, but fix the system. 
The second thing he does is he says, find capable help, not professional help. You know how many people I hear talk to me about how they need help, but there's no one qualified? No one can do it as good as me. That's why I keep doing it. (laughs) You ever said that, right? Like, no one can fold the laundry as good as I can. I have to fold the... Jethro doesn't say, go out and find the best person for the job, the most professional, right? Who's got the best resume? Let's pull the people. You know what the expectation was? Just find somebody capable. We're trying to practice this in my home. My wife, Jen, is like, I think we need to buy everybody their own laundry baskets so they can do their own wash. I'm like, that's a great idea for the kids. And she said, I said everybody. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I'm getting my own laundry basket in the next couple of weeks. (laughs) Right? Like, find capable. My kids are capable of doing laundry. I'm capable of doing some stuff that I haven't been doing. Right? Like, find capable people. You don't got to find somebody that's as good as you at doing it. Just find somebody who's willing to learn with the right heart. The things Jethro highlights are character, not job skills. He doesn't say, go find the best judges. He says, find people that love God and love these people. That's it. That's what the kids' ministry tells me all the time. I don't need teachers. I need people who love kids and love God. Find capable people to help carry the load for you. Then number three, Moses still had to discern, seek, and ask. And Sometimes we can do the first part and the second part, but we are afraid to ask people for help. Even though it's killing us. He says, discern, seek, and ask these capable people. You can discern and seek them, but if you're never asking them and giving them responsibility, they're never gonna be any real help to you. Number four, you gotta clarify the roles and the areas you need help. This takes a little bit of self-reflection. I realized early on, like I could never go back to pastoring the way I pastored before. It's a disaster for me, it's a disaster for you, it's a disaster for our family. That's why at one point I was like, you know what, man? Like, God has called me, he's gifted me, he's given me a vision, he's given me, hopefully, what you would agree is an ability to communicate that's at least above boring, somewhere above boring, right? Like, um, but I, I stink at the details, the implementation. That's how we ended up with the staff that we, I need an executive pastor, Someone who could say, that's a great big idea. Here's the little bite-sized pieces we need to make sure it happens. Who do you need in your life? you got to clarify the roles you need and the areas you need help in as you're seeking and asking capable people. And then last, you just need a better system. A broken system is one that completely depends on you. And sometimes we need to look at the systems in our homes and say, We need a better system. It is not sustainable for us to have one person doing all the laundry. You'd be amazed at how much laundry two teenage girls and a about-to-be-teenage boy go through, right? I just started wearing one set of underwear all week to help out. I was just doing, (laughs) doing my part until the hamper arrives, you know, like... 
Nobody's going to hug me after this service. (laughs) Just need a better system. Maybe you need a better system at work. Maybe you need a better system at home. Maybe you need a better system at wherever. We're constantly looking for better systems that are enjoyable for everybody to participate in that the burden is not all falling on one person. And the result of this kind of living, when it's not all up to you, when the answer is not just do more or get more, the result of breaking that cycle in your life is that everybody, it says, was satisfied. And Moses made it. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much. For people like Jethro, would you help us to be people like Jethro? Who aren't afraid of losing a friend so we don't share the truth we see? Help us to do it lovingly, but help us to be more like Jethro. Help us to realize the hard truth that just doing more and getting more isn't the answer. Sometimes we got to do less better to be able to do more later. Help us to Remember that as a church and as individuals that ultimately help us to be more like Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.